0: Let's bow our heads in prayer. Gracious Father, let the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight this day, so that your word may be preached to the joy and edifying of your holy people, that in steadfast faith we may serve you, and in the confession of your name abide unto the end. Amen. Amen. You know, I I wasn't sure what to call this rock, this stone today. In the text, it says that the the people grumbled or complained to Moses. And it says they grumbled against Moses. Now, why did they grumble? H-E-B was out of water. No, they were, they were out of water. Now, I don't think the grumbling is the problem. I think the grumbling is a symptom. I want you to think about all the things that God has done for Israel in the chapters right before this. And he sent plagues to get Pharaoh to let them go. And what did they do? They complained. You have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh. God leads them out of Egypt. As they go, he leads the people of Egypt to turn over their wealth to the people of Israel. He frees them from slavery. So when they are up against the Red Sea and Pharaoh's armies are coming after them, they, of course, having seen all the wonderful things that God has done, react with confidence and faith. Wrong. They complain. They say, and I don't have my notes here, so I really need to... Okay, is not this what we said to you in Egypt? <clears throat> Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Well then, God parts the waters of the Red Sea. They walk through on dry ground... He drowns the armies of Pharaoh. They get across the Red Sea, and it gets worse. They complain, because the water on the other side of the sea is bitter. So God makes the water sweet. What do they do? They complain about the food. So God sends them miraculous bread out of heaven, manna and quail, and sends it every morning except on the Sabbath. So on the day before the Sabbath, he sends a double portion. And so what do they do? They complain. (laughs) You're getting it. Right? They complain that there's no water. There is a huge stone standing between them God, a stone called ingratitude. Now the question I want you to think about today is what about you and me? How do you and I know if ingratitude is a problem for us? Well, the first thing I want you to do is I want you to begin by Making a distinction between depression and self pity. Now, understand both depression and self pity are kind of negative things and there's complaining involved, but there's a difference. Depression is a mood, sometimes it's a disorder chemical imbalance, right? It can rise in us without any logical reason. That's not self-pity. The depressed person loathes themselves at times. May even loathe themselves to the point that they feel or think about or even try to harm themselves. If you tell a a depressed person that they're just not being grateful, you know what they'll do? They'll feel guilty about it. And they'll say, you're right, and they'll get more depressed. I'm worthless. I don't know why anybody wants anything to do with me. They indulge in sort of a self-hatred. Maybe you've been there. Now self-pity complains. Complains about your lot in life, but blames everybody else. Self-pity says it's their fault. The the depressed person, man, they'll just latch on to blame. But self-pity says, I'm not to blame. It's not me. It's Moses. It's my spouse. It's my job. It's H-E-B. It's COVID-19. It's the government. It's you, God, God. I don't deserve this. I've been wrong. Feel sorry for me. Do you see the difference? Depression involves almost a self loathing, self pity is just selfish. And it's an important distinction to maintain. Folks, self pity is the stagnant water in which ingratitude grows. You see, as long as you and I are feeling sorry for ourselves, as long as we're seeing all the problems as out there and as, as someone else's fault, as long as we're Blaming God, we're not going to be grateful. In fact, you could say that when we're in our little pity party, feeling sorry for ourselves, we're so full of self pity that there's no room for God. I'll tell you a story of a man I knew in my first parish named Elwood. He's long gone. He had a pretty good life. Had a lot of blessings in his life as a farmer in Nebraska. But then he got sick. And in his sickness, he forgot all that. In his sickness, he started to do what a lot of us started to do. He started to feel sorry for himself. When I would go to visit him, I hear things, I don't deserve this, Pastor. Other people deserve this. I know neighbors who deserve this, but I don't deserve this. And if you you pointed out how good God had been to him, well, of course he was good to me. That's what I deserve. Hard to thank somebody for doing something you think they ought to do anyway. See? Ingratitude and self-pity, that's the other name I could have given this stone. They're a huge stone. They stand between us from God and it blinds us. To all the good things God is doing for us. It blinds us, makes us somehow go crazy and forget that all the things that He do, do, does do for us are a gift of grace, a gift of undeserved love. When we're steeped in self-pity, we can't see Him. I want you to think about how we look When we're feeling self pity, how do your kid? If you want to see it, look at your kids, grandkids when they're pouting, or your husband. I see the lips going out. And what does your head do? Where are you looking? So how does how does God roll away the stone? He refocuses our attention on Him rather than ourselves I want you to notice something Moses complains but doesn't complain about God complains about the people but he complains to God he prays comes to him and he he says "What, what shall I do with this people they're almost ready to stone me now I want you to notice what God does. He doesn't stand out in front of Moses and berate the people. He doesn't preach to them about how they should feel more grateful for things. Because, you know, that rarely works anyway. I was reading this week about somebody who was struggling with this, and somebody told him to write a gratitude list. And he wrote, you know, the more I wrote the gratitude list, the more guilty I felt for not feeling guilty and the more ungrateful I became. no. That's not what God does. The Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people. He says, Moses, get out in front of them. All right? Taking with you some of the elders, take the leaders, and take your staff in hand with which you struck the Nile. Take that staff that will remind them of all the great things that I've done for them. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb. He says, Moses, get out in front and help them to focus on me. You know, that's why you come here on Sunday morning. And that's why even during this COVID-19, that's why we're going to try videotaping the sermon and making it available to people online. Because you know what God does here? We come here with our complaints and our aches and pains and our self-pity. And what does He do? He speaks to us words of forgiveness and grace and the absolution. He comes and we read And hear his word and he tells us again the stories of all the great things he has done. He rehearses within your hearing and mine all his promises of grace and mercy and forgiveness and comfort and peace. He invites us to come and gives to us, provides for us the soul-sustaining food of eternal life, the body and blood of his Son given and shed for us, offered us here in the bread and wine of Holy Communion. And he doesn't just do it on Sunday. He goes before us and in your small groups and in your daily devotions and through your Stephen ministers and your deaconesses and your lay ministers and your family and your friends, he reminds you of him and his love. I was, as I was writing a sermon. I was reminded of those days because when my family, when any of the grandkids does this, they all say, yeah, it looks like Dad. Me. <laughs> when I would do that as a kid, I remember this. There were a couple times. My mom would come over and she'd put her finger under my chin very gently and she'd say, okay, look up here. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Look at me. It's going to be okay. You know, I think God wants to do that to all of us today. Especially with all this stuff going on in the world around us. It's going to get worse probably before it gets better. I think our Lord would reach his hand under our chin. And he'd lift us up. And he'd say, look at me. It's going to be okay. See, it's hard for us, but it's easy for Him. And we're in His hands. See, when we look at Him, we see a God who continues to love us despite our ingratitude. What does He do when Moses gets before Him? He says, Behold, I'll stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. God's answer to their complaints and their grumbling and their ingratitude was to be even more gracious and even more loving and to give them the water they needed to satisfy their thirst. And notice, God doesn't have Moses strike the people He has him strike the rock. And did you know that Paul talks about that event in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? The next passage. Says of the people in Exodus 17, he says, All drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. That's the rock who follows you. That's the rock on whom you and I stand today, no matter what's happening. That's the rock, Jesus. And instead of punishing us, God punishes him. For, Saint, for Isaiah says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him smitten by God, stricken by him and afflicted. And Jesus was smitten by God. God didn't strike you and me. He struck Jesus, the rock. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and with his wounds we're healed. I told you earlier that self-pity is the stagnant water that produces ingratitude Well, my folks. Jesus Christ, God's love, is the living water that produces a thankful heart. You know what God does so that we might no longer be thirsty? He comes in flesh and blood. He gets nailed to a cross, right? He dies. Empties Himself. He takes our ingratitude to Himself on the cross. Right? And in His place, He fills us with Himself. Now I'm going to warn you something about when God does this. When God replaces ingratitude with thanksgiving, this is a this is a warning gratitude is contagious did you know that gratitude is way more contagious than any virus i, I just want you to think about this woman you know, she came out to the well that day, the, well, the, the woman in the gospel reading, and she's kind of feeling sorry for herself, and she even grumbles at Jesus, well, what do you think you, a Jew, are doing talking to little old me, a woman of Samaria? And Jesus ignores that completely. And he offers himself to her. And he promises, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And in the part after what we read today, you see that happen in this woman. What God has offered her just wells up in her. And the Bible tells us that she is bubbling over and she runs back to town and she says, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And the Bible says the whole town catches the fever and comes out to see Jesus. Folks, that's what God is seeking to do in you and me. To fill us up so that we bubble over With his love to roll the stone away from our lives so he can use us to roll it away from the lives of others. Folks, right now, the people around us need us to be full of faith and gratitude in a world. Right? In a world that is afraid of a virus, the contagion we really re- need right now are grateful hearts, loving and serving those around us. Amen. Now may the peace of God which you pass all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting amen